I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for a big Monday. The Saints double-digit dogs dominate the Bucs, but it could be worse. A.J. has a theory Tampa Bay is in trouble if they want to win the Super Bowl. Green Bay, who's one of the favorites, they win the game, but they don't cover against Baltimore. A controversial two-point decision by Harbaugh, and it stank. It stinks, the decision he made. I'll explain. Monday Night Football, the one that matters. Minnesota, favored by seven. They've been bet up, up, up against the Bears. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a big, big Monday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. A.J. is squinting in the screen. You ever see those older dudes? We're not going to say he's old, but older dudes. Ah, he's only 41. That when they get a computer out, it's almost like they're looking into a kaleidoscope. Like, they're not exactly sure what they're looking at. And they're a little nervous that something's going to kind of, like a hand's going to reach out and smack them from the computer. And they squint. He was squinting, but he's got a theory coming up. It's going to be interesting. If you're a Tampa Bay fan, a Tom Brady fan, you're not going to like this theory. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. He is the fan who beats the man, A.J. Hoffman. Thanks, R.J. Great to be here on a Monday where the Cardinals on the wrong end of a huge upset. The Bucks offense completely shut down, and we get a Vikings and Bears NFC North matchup on Monday Night Football tonight. What is the Vegas lead? Well, I... I don't think I can tease you having a theory without that being the Vegas lead. So let's go with Tampa Bay. And specifically, what is your takeaway we'll get to from this game that, that bodes so poorly? Saints shocked the Bucks 9 to nothing at Tampa, covering as 11.5-point underdogs. Bucks able to get no offense going. And listen, we knew going into this game, the Saints defensively had had some success against this Tampa Bay team. But I think we're underselling it. They've had great success against this Tampa Bay. The only team really that's had success against the Tom Brady Buccaneers. But they lost some key pieces on offense. You know, Godwin, yeah. Godwin so, so, going out for the season. So let's talk first, and we'll, we'll get to the take. Let's talk first about the, the game in general. A big surprise. Anytime you have a double-digit dog that wins and wins the game convincingly, that, that's not a common occurrence. What happened? Was it a fluke? Was it variance? Is it the, the you know, wide-ranging outcomes that can happen? Maybe. But when you're 4-0 against Tom Brady in the regular season, now what's different about the playoffs? Nothing, really. Except maybe you could make the case the non-Tom Brady's are going to be a little bit more nervous. You know, there's times that some players step up, 
Some players don't. Usually, if you are a veteran that's used to playing in the playoffs and such, you're going to do a little better when you're the greatest winner ever in your sport, like Tom Brady. It's an advantage to have the high stakes of the playoffs. But don't forget, the lucky factor matters pretty much for every Super Bowl champion. And the Bucks are no different in that, and you remember this, AJ, is Saints were winning the game in the playoffs last year against Tampa. And they had their tight end break out on a pass. If I remember, it was a tight end. He was getting down into like the 20-yard line or so and got stripped from behind. And if the Saints would have just gotten a field goal in that game or in that drive, they would have been up double digits. And who knows what happens with Tampa. The fact of the matter is the fumble happened, recovery, Tampa wins, goes to Green Bay, wins, wins in the Super Bowl. How different is history? But let's not act like in the playoffs Tampa got dom- or Tampa dominated. No, Saints were in a position to win that game too. And so now it's five games in which four of them clean vic- – and remember, last year – it was that first game. It was like what was it, thirty-five nothing? Blowout. I, I mean, these aren't these aren't like they're winning games. I mean, if this is more than that, let's try to understand what this is first. Because if it was repeatable, why isn't everyone doing it? I think it is broadly you can explain it as the Giants' formula against Tom Brady which historically has been get pressure without blitzing. Now, that's like saying, you know, fit into all the, the small size clothes as the way to get thin. No, you're explaining what thin is, not how to get thin. Well, what good football is getting pressure without having to commit a blitz. And the Giants in those Super Bowls were able to do that. And the Saints have been able to do that. Yeah, Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, both healthy in this game, both you know registering sacks. Uh, that was a, a major factor for this game, and really the yardage that came with those sacks, four sacks for 30 yards, and in key moments, really killing some Buccaneers drives. So the, the, the pass rush, and like you said, getting there without a blitz was huge for them last night. And it's something the Saints have been able to do consistently against the Bucs. And, and it's not just because here's the thing pressure only really matters if the quarterback doesn't have somewhere to throw the ball. You look at Big Ben, Big Ben's uh, for the Steelers is getting the ball out quicker than anyone in the league. And Big Ben is throwing the ball in some cases too quickly. He doesn't want to take the hits. He doesn't want to fumble. He doesn't want to be sacked. All kind of, I'm not saying he's being you know scared or anything. Though as quarterbacks get older, they tend not to want to take hits. Who would? The, Romo in that game was talking about a specific play down by the end zone where it was like, hey, if you wait another half beat, this guy gets open. And again, Romo's a former quarterback. Let's give him credit for that kind of insight. I don't know exactly how that play would have went or whatever. But what I know is that in general, Brady or statistically, Brady is the second quickest getting the ball out. And it doesn't matter if you can get pressure if the ball's out before, even if you had a straight line to the quarterback with, you know, like remember you used to play, uh, you know, thousand, one thousand, two thousand, three, then rush, sure. you know, rush on three. 
and but you got one blitz every four downs. I don't know if you played yeah, that. That's way. how we play. Like, blitz, and then well, if the blitz can happen with no one blocking, and you still get the ball out, it means the blocking doesn't matter. It means the pressure doesn't matter. Brady often, as the second quickest thrower in the league today, can get the ball to the right place, even if you can't get pressure on him. They weren't able to. And you know why? The Saints have Lattimore, who does particularly well against Evans. You've talked about that, AJ, in the past. And the Saints, under Allen, defensive coordinator, play a combination of man coverage but not simple man coverage. And they were talking about this on Get Up today. Is uh, And I don't know exactly what all these phrases, but you hear things like man with a robber and this and that and the other, but it's complex. So now you get the beauty of man-to-man coverage. And think about what man-to-man coverage is. It is like, we're better than you. Let's just We don't need a lot of strategy. It's the Joes, not the X's and O's kind of thing. And that's usually dumb. It's kind of dumb football in a way. Okay. Now you think about complex, you know, Dick LeBeau type Steelers, blitz packages. That's supposed to be a smart man's football. Well, the Saints play a tough man's football, man to man on defense, but they do it in a complex way, which means now Tom Brady doesn't know where to go. He has to wait for a half a beat and look, he's getting sacked. He's getting hit. So it's an interesting reality about how good the Bucks are, or I'm sorry, how good the Saints are against the Bucks, but it's not necessarily repeatable because no one else has the complexity on D with the tenacity, with the pass rush. The Saints do when they're firing on all cylinders. So to me, at least in that regard, the Saints' performance speaks to them it, but it also speaks to a way anyone could be Tampa, just probably no one gets to replicate it. Now, I think the injuries and such come to your conclusion, AJ, but first, do you agree with me about this game? Yeah, the, the and I don't know that everyone can do it. The Saints are particularly... Oh, I'm, saying, I'm saying no one else can do it. Okay, yeah, I agree yeah, with... Might, well, yeah, is no one else can do it. Okay, the one team that I feel like maybe has the matchup advantages that the Saints do to be able to do that is the Rams, and we've seen the Rams have some success against this Tampa Bay team as well. Uh, and you're right that you know the, the looks that they were giving last night are not something you see very often. Not a lot of teams are so willing to play straight man. You already watched all 22, and you, you're breaking. I mean, like I can't do that. Can you watch the defense and know what kind of man scheme they're in? Yeah, on the interception last night, you mentioned that robber. And what a robber technique is is basically a trap technique. It's basically where the defense makes you they, they bait Trying you to bait. In, they up. bait you into thinking that a guy is open, knowing that that's where you're going to go. But the plan all of, all along is to jump that route, and that's what they did on the interception. I don't know that every team can play man on the outside, especially well, with the Bucks. Know, I think they, we know they can't because this is the Saints formula that's been there since the beginning of last year. Yep. So it's not this is an extension of it. It's like, hey, it worked again, but if any these D coordinators are looking at every game, if they could replicate this, they would. I don't think anyone else can. So I don't think it speaks if you're a Bucks fan, I don't think this game gives you anything to worry about. At least the game itself. I think the aftermath of the game might. And let's segue there. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. So what the Saints did is hard to replicate, but you don't think it maybe needs to be replicated. It causes some changes on Tampa. Yeah, obviously playing man-to-man against a team, and you've talked about Tampa having such an abundance of weapons that it makes it hard for you to cover everybody. 
when those guys start to fall off, you saw Evans get hurt early in that game. You saw Godwin go out and not come back. And now we know Godwin done for the season with an ACL injury. You, the other guys on that team, the other weapons, Gronkowski, a health question mark right, so every, every ta- week, basically. What we're talking about here is the weapons that Tampa Bay has that they won a Super Bowl with, that if you look at it from today's perspective, there's an inconsistency, there's an uncertainty that's been unmatched for Tampa Bay. Yeah, and Antonio Brown coming back now, I mean, assuming that they, once his suspension's done, because Arian said, even though he said before, one one chance to mess up and you're done, Arian's now softening on that. I don't think it's irony. So, with with AB, with Antonio Brown, uncertainty, just intrinsically. Always. In his soul. <laughs> okay, there's uncertainty in his soul. Agree. Gronk. Physical uncertainty always with Gronk. And and certainly late career. Sure. All right. So would it be shocking if Gronk misses two playoff games? Okay. Godwin out Out. for the year, announced in the last hour or so. Uh, At least made one over the wires. Okay, Evans. They now say week to week, so we don't even know when he'll be back. That's a that's a very broad way of saying that he's hurt right now. I I don't know if we should expect him back anytime soon. Uncertain. Sure. So now you're counting on Scotty Miller, Fezzik's guy. Little Scotty Miller. <laughs> and let me tell you, little Scotty Miller's a good punchline. He's I'm I'm guessing he's a good human, but you know, more I think about it, I don't think most people are. So I'm gonna assume generally that people maybe aren't. So I don't like think Scotty Miller is necessarily even a good guy, but you know what? He's an uncertainty. Seems harsh. He's, well, it, do you like the average person? No. So then, why would Scotty Miller be anything other than that? I feel like statistically, you, you usually give guys the benefit of the doubt. Now nah, that's a bunch of BS. Okay. <laughs> I think the average person's below average. <laughs> that's I just a good, coined I that, like phrase. that phrase. Yeah. I just coined it. <laughs> but anyway, little Scotty Miller is a is a distraction. He's a oh, he can make that plane again. And say, you're not building a team. I mean, if somehow the Lions had traded for little Scotty Miller, there wouldn't be any big excitement about the Lions prospects for next year, no. right? Other than it'd be much more they won this game that they did. Well, I'm thinking in football, you can pass, and you're saying there's uncertainty with passing for the Bucks. And let's not, lest us be confused, Tom Brady's kind of old. And we can look at these games late in the year and say, oh, maybe it's a fluke. Maybe it's a Saints. Or maybe it's he's almost 50 years old. I mean, before long, he'll be getting asked at the movies, do you want the you know, senior citizen discount? He's not that. I think movies do it at 55. He's not that far from that. And we're having fun with it for a second, but he is in uncharted territory. How quickly does the wall come when you're Tom Brady? We saw with Peyton Manning, it came in like a matter of like two months. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's the case, but let's not act like it's impossible. So uncertainty to Tom Brady and the rest of the receivers, literally there's not a one that matters without uncertainty. Okay. If everything goes right, Gronk's healthy. AB is sane. Evans comes back healthy. They're fine. That, with, with that receiving core, they're fine. But even remove one of them. If you just have Gronk and A.B. left, or just pick any two, you're now below average at playmaker. How about running the ball? 
Well, running the ball has not been a great strength for the Bucks. Four times this year, they've run above the the average. Four point three yards per carry is is the league average. Yes. Four times this season, they've exceeded that. And so they've been average or worse all but four times this season as a as a game based. Yes, one. and when you consider how elite their passing offense is, it should open well, them up has been. for a yards per carry standpoint. You should be able yes. to get bursts on the ground because everybody has to worry about the pass. Think about when someone's coming back from a 21-point deficit or so. They run a draw play or whatever. They get nine yards. It goes in the stats. It's really what EPA and football outsiders are trying to do by saying all yards aren't created equal. In this case, you're saying let's just use a counting stat, like 4.3, and say how often are they above average. They should be above average because they're able to pass historically this year so well, the Bucks, And thus, the fact they're not says if somehow they had to run – Probably not going to be looking too good, and thus that means uncertainty. So you've got uncertainty at quarterback, probably less than any other uncertainty, but still, you've got uncertainty at playmaker for the Bucks now because of the health, and you've got uncertainty with an ability to focus on the run. There's a lot of cause for uh, uncertainty. Let's just say my, the Bucks' prospects uncertain. And here's the deal: the Bucks. You may not notice it the next few weeks. Panthers, Jets, Panthers close out the season for the Bucks. But if these things aren't resolved by playoff time, how do they get resolved? I don't think these things get resolved. How can A B become less uncertain? Right? How do we know Gronk's one stretch pass away from having a back tweet? We don't. So, I mean, what you're saying is bigger than we're going to see in the next couple of weeks. So, I think you're making a good point. It could be obscured. That, that the problems could be obscured from the week schedule coming up. Tampa might look like they're rolling and the, and the Saints were just an aberration. It was just a fluky matchup thing. Though they could meet in the playoffs. They could. It could be a 2-7 or 3-6. Easily Saints and Bucks. That would be something to watch. But... I don't think this gets resolved, but I think the conversation probably gets tamped down. There's going to be less of it if Tampa rolls through these bad teams. But you're saying, hey, the uncertainty's there. Yeah, what they do in the next three weeks doesn't tell you what they're going to do in the playoffs. One other piece of uncertainty that applied yesterday. I'm R.J. Bell. We're straight out of Vegas. Tom Brady passes bedtime. Tom (laughs) Brady at night. Tampa Bay Bucks career during his time with Tampa during the regular season, one and eight against the spread, one winner, eight losers, losing by an average per game of almost 10 points and only five and four straight up. A team that obviously much better than just above 500 typically. Now, in night games, you're going to play better competition typically. So forget the straight up, one and eight against the spread. Vegas set an expectation. Nine times and eight times Tom Brady fell short after dark. You know, they used to say, like in high school, nothing good happens after midnight. Stay home. I, I personally, the best times of my high school life were after midnight. They had Star Trek marathons on <laughs> local syndication. But <laughs> lots of hot chicks at those, man. Lots well, of hot chicks. I mean, chicks. there was Cinemax after dark. I mean, you know, a lot of time in the bedroom. But one in eight against the spread. I think there's something there. I mean, there has be, to be. It could be noise, but this is a guy that likes routine. Speaking of routine, we'll have tonight's preview with Minnesota, and we were one of the first to chart how much better uh, Cousins plays at one Eastern specifically. We'll get into that for tonight's game. 
If you look at the Super Bowl odds to wrap up the first segment for the first time this season, Tampa Bay is not in the top two. Chiefs started the season as the favorite, the current favorite, four and a half to one. Green Bay now the second favorite, five to one. And Tampa Bay, six to one, the third favorite for the first time. Pretty good segment, AJ. Yeah, and what, just to wrap it up, in oh, the you la- got a, a little straight stat you're going to throw. Well, out? in the last two years in, in in Tampa, in Brady's time in Tampa, last night was the second worst game he's played per QBR at 18.3. Mm-hmm. The only one worse last year against the Saints, where he had a four QBR. Yeah, it's you got to give the Saints a ton of credit, and you got to ask yourself if you're me. We went two and one. We got two games left in the Super Contest. You got to ask yourself, why didn't I? Every time. You know, there's uh, anytime there's a bubble in any market, let's say the housing crisis was a bubble, stock bubbles, everyone always tells you why this time's different. Remember that phrase, this time's different. I looked at Tampa, 11, 11 and a half. I said, ah, oh, I'm not playing the Saints. They got Taysom Hill. That's, yeah, that was what would have me off of. Yeah, well, that's what losing thought. You say there's things are either bigger, there's always going to be the vagaries, the different things in a given game. And it's always going to be, because if it wasn't obvious, this line would have been five or six. It was like, there's a reason you're getting 11 points. And I got, yeah, I, I didn't. Listen, there's a, I should have been playing, I should have played Houston with both fists. Oh, they're going to get a bump. No, Trevor Lawrence is terrible. He's terrible. Now, one day, is he going to get out of this? I don't, I don't think, to be honest. Maybe. I hope long enough to win my bet where he starts for three years. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it's always dangerous to say this time's different. And I did. I fell into the trap. And maybe the, the best way to approach that game, knowing Taysom Hill's on one side and knowing what the Saints have done to Tom Brady, would have been an underlook. It's easy to say now, AJ. I didn't hear any under talk out of you last week. There you go. And look, we're still questioning this with me going 66% over the weekend. That's how you get better. When we come back, we're going to continue and talk about a team I think and maybe didn't look like it, but I think Green Bay's path looks easier because of Tampa. And I think Harbaugh's decision, I'll just give you three words, atrocious. He's R.J. Bell. I'm A.J. Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. In just a minute, we're going to take a look at both sides of the Ravens-Packers game, including what R.J. called an atrocious decision by Harbaugh. You no, know, actually, I'm not going to look at both sides. I'm just looking at the atrociousness. All right. Hey, let's do decision. it. <laughs> this is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. That's because of you. Thank you. And we'll try extra hard to keep delivering for you. You can listen on the iHeartRadio app. Just search for Straight Out of Vegas here in Vegas on the Strip. John Kolb used to be 55 for the Steelers. He was undervalued in that Steelers dynasty. It's 55 degrees. The neon is flowing. The Green Bay Packers get a win over the Baltimore Ravens, 31-30. Baltimore covers as nine-point underdogs, but apparently with a very poor decision, according to RJ. Well, what did you think? Well, first of all, when I say atrocious, it's objectively atrocious. It's not opinion. It's not Godfather 3 was horrible or whatever. This is objectively true. True. 
But let's get a subjective opinion. What did you think of the decision? I guess I just expected it, uh, you know, based on what they what they'd done a couple so, weeks so ago. Do we equate quote unquote analytics with uh, aggressiveness? Because there is no connection between analytics and aggressiveness. The only reason there would be from today's perspective in 2021 is historically the convention has been not aggressive enough. Thus, as the numbers start to come into focus, you're going to seem to be the analytics people saying more and more and more. But in truth, it could easily be less, less, less. It just matters what the initial bias was. I don't think I think of Harbaugh as kind of an old school guy. I don't think he has like a, a chart that says this is when to go for it, this is when to not. That's wrong. Harbaugh has been at the forefront. I would say that the Eagles and the Ray and this is Eagles under the former regime. And you saw what they did in the Super Bowl against the Pats. In hindsight, a lot of those decisions they made were very modern, analytically driven decisions. Philly against New England in that Super Bowl. And, and, and obviously now Staley. But historically, before this year, you know, well, let's just say this year. This year now, Baltimore, Cleveland with, you know, that new regime, uh, the Chargers, and filling the old regime, I would say, and I may be forgetting one or so. Mackenzie, would there be anyone else you think I'm forgetting? Maybe the Rams. No, no. See, that's what because because the coach is young. The Colts have done a lot of the the going for it on the Colts uh, down. Yeah. Nah, see, it's funny. Reich has a split kind of opinion on that where. He'll be extra. I mean, look at how much they run the ball. At times, they're saying, "Oh, he should run more." But right, right, right under. Uh, I'd say that's a. Let's just call that a toss-up for okay. now. But 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 either way, Harbaugh. The easy answer is Harbaugh's been at the four. Now again, is he doing the math? No, but he's the head coach he at the forefront. Yes. Okay. Well, for for me, at least what I what I've gathered over the last two times that they went for two was it was they felt against the Steelers and then yesterday, Harbaugh felt like they were at such a personnel deficiency that they couldn't Wait, win it overtime. Why were they any more deficient? At that point, than they were throughout the 60 minutes of the game. They weren't. So they just played in a way that proved that they were the equal to the Green Bay Packers. Why would they? Why would the answer be we're deficient? You're right. Although that game, remember, it wasn't a close game until very late. The, the Ravens. Okay, so momentum is on with the, is the Ravens side. It was. So that 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 would swing. I mean, here's this: if it's a tie game. And one team came back from 11 points. Would you rather be the team that came back or the team that didn't? I'd rather be the team that came back. But I'd also rather not be the team that is missing my top three corners and has a backup that, that quarterback was, that against was the team Aaron Rodgers. That was the team that just played him to even. But if you lose is that— it just, Is it as simple as that the underdog should always go for two? Is that what you think? Because really, it's all kind of coming down to that. I mean, almost kind of feels that way because we. Well, we, it might to you. When you when the other team has an elite quarterback, if they win the coin toss, they're probably winning the game. That's just BS. That's just BS. How? Uh, I, give me some stats tomorrow on what percentage of the time that the that and now we're going to decide who the great quarterbacks are. Just you can pick however many you okay. want, and let's see if they win the toss in overtime. How often do they just march down and get a touchdown? It's far less than half. Half the time, so I mean, and, and then then the question is, how much do the non-elite quarterbacks score? And then it's just the, the vagaries of the coin toss. It was how how I felt last week when the or I was it two weeks ago when the Bills played the Bucks, when the when the Bucks won that coin toss. This game's over. 
This game's over. Tom Brady's going to march down. He's going to score a touchdown. Bills will never well, see the ball. I mean, that's like saying, dude, that is as bad. I mean, that is as bad as you saying, I just walked by the roulette wheel. There's been three straight rides. Hurry up. I mean, it really is. <laughs> get your bank card and get there as quick as possible. Because Tom Brady, because once in your mind you go, uh-oh, Tom Brady's got the ball. I, I mean, listen, all the, first of all, Harbaugh may be under a hostage video. Because if you look, look at what he's saying here, this is very interesting to me. This is a quote, and this was after the game. It's mostly gut. The numbers are the numbers, but the numbers aren't perfect, which is exactly my point about the different models being different. So how can we act like the numbers are sacrosanct, that they're so perfect? They're not. And this is Harbaugh still. I can tell you this. I've shot a lot of holes in the numbers with the numbers, guys. Okay, this is from a guy who objectively has been making decisions on the forefront of the, of the numbers, of the analytics. So, the fact that he did it, I would have bet when they came out to go for it, and remember, if you didn't watch the game, is when they came out to go for it, initially, I was like, what the heck's going on? This makes no sense, and I'll explain in a minute why. Because it was a horrible decision. It was so bad, you can't even explain how bad it was. And then they were trying to draw him off sides. I'm like, oh, that's it. They're faking that they're going for. They call the timeout. I would have bet my house, you know, at even money, that they weren't going to go for it two after that. Because, one, how often do you come out and fake something and then go back kind of sheepishly, yeah, we gave it a go? Because it would have been great. If they would have gotten off sides, now they only they can quarterback sneak. or sure. It would have been a brilliant play. To come back out and do it blew my mind. It, re- it was how. So let me ask you, AJ. You watch a lot of football. How often does like when it's fourth and two from the forty-five, and they do that fake? Like you used to do that a lot. How often do they go for it after? Fifteen percent of the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's yeah, that or low. So why was it so bad? I'm going to tell you. First though, be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at six p.m. Eastern, three p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio. I'm AJ Hoffman. He's the voice of Vegas. R.J. Bell. You know that Daniel Jones. Let's, let's stick a pin in that. But before he got that concussion, he was trending up sharp, more sharply than any time of his career. He was ready to take a step that would have been like the clear starter next year. I don't know what's going to happen there. It's very everyone's going to act like the Giants are holding on too long. I hope they give him one more year. Are they going to pick up his fifth year option and then draft a quarterback? Is that possible? <sighs> I don't know. I don't understand the. Fi- I mean, after the Sam Darnold fifth year option, I just I, I don't I don't want to make any predictions. What I will say in hindsight is how bad Harbaugh's decision was, and here's why: it's real simple. The number forty-two, not the meaning of the universe, but. The number 42 is the number of seconds that were... You get that? Yeah. That's good. Is the number <laughs> of seconds left... I never even read the book. It, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, right? Isn't that yeah. right? Is uh, what With the 42 seconds, what is the other team going to do with that time? Because that's how much time was left. If the Ravens had kicked the extra point and made it with, I don't know, the best kicker in the history of the world... You feel good about their chances. Yeah, you better. Let's make sure that we go with our backup quarterback, not the best <laughs> kicker in the history of the world. Okay. And before it didn't make any sense, because I, I agree with Harbaugh last time against the Steelers, because the injury to their cornerback happened during the, Humphrey happened during the game. They didn't scheme to not have him, 
right? Here they scheme to be the team they actually played to a 60-minute draw against the Packers. But I digress, is if they make the two, we know what happens if they don't. The game's over. If they make the two, what happens? Aaron Rodgers gets 42 seconds, and here's the key. Because you might say, well, he'd get 42 anyway if they kick the extra point, RJ. Okay. What does he do with those 42 seconds if it's tied? Maybe a screen or an out, a, a, a little feeler play. And if you bust for 15 yards or something, maybe you take another feeler play. And the odds of when someone's going that tentative to get downfield and kick a field goal in 42 seconds is you know, 5%. It's low. You agree with that, yes. right? What happens if the Packers are down one because they made the two? Desperation. It is the only thing that matters is scoring. Nothing else does, and there's no risk too big to take. Thus, it's Hail Marys, it's, it's, it's laterals, it's the cow play, it's whatever. And you got 42 seconds, so it's like you're going to get a lot of plays. Oh, by the way, it was the exact scenario that Green Bay did earlier this year with 37 seconds. Remember Aaron Rodgers? Was that against Arizona? San Francisco. San Fr- oh, that's <laughs> right. Remember San Francisco? And he and he threw like the, the long pass over the middle. The long, and then he wouldn't throw those passes if a pick would lead to the game being over. That's the key. When a team goes for too late, it got to be within about 15, 18 seconds because then the time doesn't really matter. You're saying 42 seconds was too long. It's way too long because if the other team doesn't have any downside, if the receiving team, the team that's going to be down if you make the two, they are going to try to score as if it's the only way to win. You know why? Because it's the only way to win. Risk doesn't matter. If it's a tie game, yep, let's just go to overtime. It's like literally you're giving all. And what's the odds of Aaron Rodgers getting a field goal? 30% with 42, maybe 20. So literally, if there's 12 seconds left and you go for it in, in the two and you win, you win. It's pretty much 99% you won. This way, you're only about 75%. So you've you just chunked off. You've just chunked off this huge part of your win. And that same time is almost meaningless in a tie game because they're not going to take those risks. That makes it a stupid decision. You can just say something nice right now, Adrian. I mean, you're right. I, I went into this thinking that it made more sense to go for two here than it did against Pittsburgh because I was thinking, well, in in the case with Pittsburgh, you're going to overtime with, let's face it, a bad offense. You've got a better chance against a Packers offense that you know can go down and score a touchdown. But that 42 seconds, when you really think about that, that, that does change up the way I look at the decision, certainly. All right, when we come back, we are going to preview the Monday, fo- Monday Night Football game that matters. And I'm going to give a prop bet. AJ's been a little cold on his props, but he's still over 60%, right? Yes. So if you want to give one, you can, but the official show pick is coming from me. That's coming up next, man. He's R.J. Bell. I'm A.J. Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. Let's take a look at Monday Night Football. The Vikings now seven-point favorites against the Chicago Bears. You know, I got an inkling right now, a little inkling. I think I'm going to let you make the prop pick, and here's why. 
you're over 56% live on national radio on your prop picks. Now, it's been a cold streak, but you know what? Streaks happen. And you know the only way you can lose money with winning picks. How can you lose money with winning picks? The only way is if you quit betting in a cold streak. Okay. Think about that. Oh, I lost faith. I got out of Tesla. You know, when it was 18. Right? <laughs> Forget about the, I don't believe in cryptocurrency. Whatever it is, there's going to be times where faith is tested. You've tested my faith, A.J. Hoffman. I'm sorry. But maybe that is a necessary part of the growth process. So I'm going to let you do the prop. I do find the steam move in this game interesting, and I'll be just in a minute with A.J., is the game opened up Minnesota favored by four. Now they're favored by seven. You don't see a move like that very often from four to seven. Uh, totals 46 and a half. This game's in Chicago. Starts at 8.15 Eastern. Kirk Cousins, obviously the quarterback from Minnesota. Now, his history on Monday night is noteworthy, and we'll break that out. But the first thing to think about is, how does Kirk Cousins do? And this is something Jonas, alum of the show, he's now in the mornings. There still hasn't been that trademark litigation I'm thinking about with the whole <laughs> cup of Joe thing. But it's uh, two pros and a cup of Joe. And you might, it might sound familiar, but don't worry about that for a minute. Is uh, right here, I think, 6 to 9 Eastern Time, AM, on Fox Sports Radio. And we're proud of Jonas. He was a great guy, when, our three years with him. But he said, you know, I remember reading something about Kirk Cousins and his routine, that he's kind of anal in a way that is beyond typical even. You know, it's not like, oh, he has a, an app that tells him when to go to the dentist. I mean, and we looked into it and said, wow, that does seem a little extreme. And we said, well, what's the most common game situation for Kirk Cousins? Well, he was at Washington, at Minnesota. It was having a one o'clock Eastern start. That's the normal game, right? It's not the special night game. It's not. Kirk Cousins is 57% against the spread in his career at 1 o'clock Eastern. All other games, non-1 o'clock Eastern games, and the fact they're in the Midwestern time zone doesn't change what time that is. Non-1 o'clock Eastern games, 40%. So 60%, four almost, or 40%. Kirk Cousins does much better at 1 o'clock Eastern. Now, you might say, like we talked about earlier, oh, tougher games at night. But the point spread equalizes that. It's the great equalizer. So Kirk Cousins on Monday night, eh, one and nine against the spread. So that goes into the non one o'clocks for sure. And by the way, Thursday night they played recently, he completed less than 50% of his passes. AJ, what is your prop bet? Does it involve Cousins? It does. I'm going to go Kirk Cousins under 21 and a half completions. And this number has gone over three times in the last five weeks. For whom? For over, over this number for Cousins. Uh -huh. But those were high-scoring games. Totals around 58-59, all of those games. This is a lower-totaled game. The Vikings... Minnesota is a clear favor. The Vikings... Yeah, game theory should say they want to run the ball. But the Vikings, in general, want to run the ball. They want to control the 
clock. Their offense hasn't been great on a cold night. They want to be able to control the ball. I think Kirk Cousins under 21 and a half completions is the way to go tonight. It's your best bet. It's my best bet. It's not the way to go. It's the best bet. It's the best bet. We got any business? Yes, we do. Thank you. Dealing with a dead battery, head to AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. They offer free battery services like free battery testing and free battery charging. So next time you're having battery trouble, head to AutoZone, your battery solution in America's number one battery destination. I would have an opinion on the game itself. And my opinion would be on the Bears. Now, we actually played the Vikings in the Super Contest at the line of four and a half, so we got great line value. But at seven, I'd have an opinion on the Bears. And probably the main reason, to be honest, Minnesota doesn't tend to play an average normal game. They're a big favorite. They tend to underperform. When they're a big underdog, they tend to overperform. Well, with a team like that, I'll take the seven, but it's just a lean, just a lean. If you missed any of today's show, including... Unequivocal evidence that John Hart Harbaugh, part of the Harbaugh—I uh, don't want to call him a crime family, but the Harbaugh crime against coaching family—made a horrible decision. I think you convinced me on that one. We're back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 o'clock Vegas time. He's R.J. Bell. I'm A.J. Hoffman. We are straight out of Vegas, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas.